0: We have prizes donate 89 50 or more to be entered into the grand prize draw for a trip for two to Reykjavik Iceland courtesy of Iceland naturally have a year of live music and dancing with a full pass to all ticketed events at supermarket in Kensington cuddle up with cinema with box sets from Columbia Pictures library and play it on a new blu-ray and DVD system thanks to our friends at Tarot PR and Steve's music visit CIUT.fm for all pricing details and eligibility ride the airwaves with CIUT during our fall membership drive and donate today your radio CIUT
1: 89.5 the sound of your city The views and opinions expressed on the following program are those of the producers and/or the persons appearing on the program, and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of CIUT FM. Welcome to the Radical Reverend Show. Yet another day of speaking to amazing folk who've done amazing work, both in the city and around the world. And today we're really focusing environmentally, um, both small and large, uh, and really how to get things done in in an environment that's not always conducive uh, to activism. And so, um, again, part of a series of successful activists that we've been doing now for a few months on the Radical Reverend Show. Thank you, by the way, out there in listener land for your feedback. It's been wonderful to hear from you, and we will keep going. Uh, And thank you also for your support for CIT 89.5 FM. It's the last listener run radio station in the GTA and uh, 34 years later, we're still at it. So, so uh, please support uh, this radio station because it's definitely the the left wing of the radio dial, as they once said, and um, uh, we're delighted that you're still paying attention. Uh, My first guest today is Angela Elzinga Cheng and Angela uh, is the current ED of Greenest City. She's a mother. She's a Parkdale resident. Uh, for some 16 years. And what's kind of cool about Parkdale, um, I used to be the MPP now and um, my executive assistant who, who ran and won Butila Carpoche is now the MPP for Parkdale High Park and the first Tibetan elected in North America to a public office so a shout out to Butilla, um, and uh what's really fascinating about this little part of our city is we used to call it the socialist republic of park Delaware park <laughs> it still kind of sits there in my heart as being that and um, this is a real example of community activism we're talking about a community garden so angela welcome to the radical reverend show
2: thank you very much glad to be here
1: So, first of all, how did you come to be part of Parkdale and how did you get the job uh, that you have at Greenest City? You know, what led up to all of that?
2: Sure. So um, I grew up in farmland, and so all of my jobs were in agriculture. Uh, I worked in 13 square kilometers of greenhouses. I worked on fruit farms. I started my first job when I was 11, uh, working full time in summers um, with a lot of my friends. So that was the agriculture side of me. And uh, I went and where on was to,
1: that? Where was that, Angela? I was what? in
2: the Niagara region.
1: Oh, so, lovely. you know, the
2: fruit belt <laughs> of uh, Ontario. Uh, so that was um, a lot of my early years. And then I left home to go to university and I got my um, bachelor's of social work and then my master's of social work. So really, uh, that grounded me in uh, community development. And I started in actually direct action in the United States uh, doing education uh, reform, going to Washington, D.C., doing the whole hold the decision makers accountable there uh, around education, banking, um, housing, all of those really great direct action type things. Uh, And, you know, as you know, the United States does a lot of this stuff, uh, a lot of direct action. So that's where I cut my teeth on doing uh, community activism.
1: So tell me about that a little bit tell the listeners about that a little bit that's fascinating i didn't know that so so what do you mean by direct action and and what were the issues
2: uh so the issues um were any issues that were really important to community members who were low income across the country so issues of justice around housing so uh, affordable housing bad landlords, slum landlords, uh, issues around banking, so where banks would and would not give loans to people, if you're familiar with the whole term redlining. Uh, So we visited uh, some uh, bank decision makers in their neighborhoods, as well as in downtown Washington, DC. And then that's also uh, issues around education reform. So the state has a different education system than we do, uh, although we are uh, shifting unfortunately but really the idea around schools of choice and so the mass exodus from uh, going to public schools and going to state paid for uh, schools of choice which ended up just being very unjust and equitable systems there so those were some of the key um, issues that i worked on while i was there i was on the national education team uh while i was in the states and then i left for uh, uh, british columbia and got my master's there
1: i'm not going to let you go from there quite (laughs) yet but direct action what do you mean by direct action
2: thank you Mm -hmm. yes thank you so much thank you for bringing me back to that so uh this is ground up grassroots work where um, there's work that's happening all over the country where people are gathering uh people who have lived experience with this, uh, these different issues, and distilling and distilling and distilling with everyone in a grassroots way. So if you can imagine, for example, um, let's say a church, churches were often used, uh, full of people who were um, already gathered together, determining what these issues were determining and prioritizing together. Uh, It's really a, a movement of people and of grassroots people. Because as we know in direct action, there's only two places of power, if you have money or if you have people. So it's really gathering together people to determine what were winnable issues, both in the citywide, then taking that to the nation. Uh, so then taking that to Washington, DC. And uh, so if you imagine a large, hundreds and hundreds of people descending upon the chosen uh, target for that year, or top five targets, usually uh, in buses with songs and signs and you know, going to um, people's neighborhoods, uh, and having demands. So these are not couched in like, would you please, these are like demands uh, that have been distilled all the way down. And, you know, a lot of people have been part of this process. uh, And asking usually for about three things uh, of the decision maker and um, especially when it was a national decision maker. So it's, uh, and the group that we were part of was really keen on not getting people arrested uh, because often that is a really big deal uh, in, in communities, of course. And so it was a really great gathering of people who were angrily, angry and rightfully so, and, but were organized angry and ready to create change. So um, that's, I'd say that would be a good imagery of direct action. Uh, There was a lot of fun, which is definitely part of direct action, needs to be part of it. Uh, And a lot of, as I said, anger, and rightfully so, uh, and a good combination of solidarity with people from across the country.
1: So you brought this diverse skill set of agriculture and direct action on social issues. And you you just were saying you, you came back to Canada with it so talk about that
2: yeah i i was very confused when i came back to canada i was like where is this where is this work (laughs) and uh you know i moved to uh, british columbia with uh, some friends of mine um to get my master's in community development and um it took a turn and i think it was an intriguing turn to me to figure out well what does this look like from a canadian perspective i am i grew up in uh, canada what does the change look like Um, And not to be stereotypical, uh, but it was a a softer uh, creating of change, I guess, but with the same spirit. So um, and I think we've lost out a bit lost out. Uh, And I you know, there's more, there's more in Toronto now than there was when I first moved here. And a lot of that is some American influence. Uh, Groups that were in the States started in the States have come over to Toronto. Uh, So I moved to uh, British Columbia and I started in something called food security or food sovereignty Um, and uh, started working in the Renfrew Collingwood Food Security Institute with an amazing group there and got going on growing food, growing food on roofs and under sky trains. And uh, that's where I first learned about all of this uh, food security and food sovereignty.
1: And then you came to Toronto.
2: Yes, I actually came to Toronto to live with uh, people in something called intentional community. So I moved in with another family uh, in this neighborhood uh, to um, live here together to try to figure out what does it mean to create change as a family and with other people that wanted to do the same thing in a neighborhood that we lived in. And um, we invited a lot of people to live with us. At one point we had about uh, 20, different people, three different houses. We ate food together four days a week. We shared our resources uh, together. Um, yeah, we just commit, made a commitment to, to living here. And it was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. I love Parkdale.
1: And are you still living in that community? In...
2: Uh, yeah, we still actually we invited um, the one couple that we started with, who I've known since my undergrad, Uh, They moved to Chicago and then to, they're living in Kitchener, Waterloo, and um, someone named uh, Doug Johnson, who works with the Encampment Support Network, he's uh, one of the, he's the partner who I, I, of the family that we used to live with, so he's very much involved in direct action here, Um, and I'm still living with Steve, who moved in with our family uh, 15 years ago, as someone who had been um, previously homeless, he has an incredible story, um, so if you ever have a chance to interview Steve, that would be phenomenal. Uh, so, and we're still living together with him, and our dog and two cats.
1: And I and I should uh, you know give some backdrop. I mean, living in Toronto is phenomenally expensive now. Yes. I mean, its its rents have gone through the roof. Um, we don't really have real rent control. Uh, Uh, It's certainly where the the buildings where it's still in force, they're trying to move people out. House prices are, you know, a million and up. Um, So it it really has become unaffordable. Uh, So this is an alternative to that in a sense,
2: Uh, Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we were lucky to, you know, we've been renting the same house for 15 years or 16 years. So, uh, and it's a house that's actually owned by the University Health Network. That's its own story in our neighborhood.
1: So so talk about Greenest City. What is Greenest City and how did you get involved with them?
2: Yeah, Greenest City uh, is really a grassroots organization. It started about 25 years ago as your more typical environmental organization. At that time, the idea to preserve and protect uh, the, um, the water and the land, uh, it shifted with the funding. There was more funding in that uh, time period about 25 years ago a bunch of small grassroots environmental organizations started up at that point point. Uh, and there are two of us one of us anyway there's not many of us left uh, all the funding has gone away for environmental organizations uh, but we rooted ourselves in Parkdale we were a citywide organization rooted ourselves in Parkdale in 2006 with the Hope uh, Community Garden which prior to my um, being at Greenest City in 2017, that was something that uh, I helped start up with a whole bunch of community members led by Shannon Thompson. Amazing, you know her. I've seen you in some pictures with Mm -hmm. her on our walls. So um, Shannon started up the Hope Garden and really rooted our work in food growing, sustainable food growing and young people, the Youth Green Squad, which I always imagined my kids working with uh, when they grew up. It was an employment program for young people, and we, that's, Shannon really brought us to Parkdale, or uh, brought Greener City to Parkdale. And since that time, uh, our environmentalism has very much been focused on uh, growing food, uh, and on uh, land stewardship, taking care of our the spaces and places that we're in, green spaces, uh, very much connected to um, you know now we're calling it climate action but a lot of growing food sustainably is something that resonates with people from around the world, which is what uh, our neighborhood is. We're we full of people from around the world who deeply, deeply uh, believe in taking care of the earth. And also uh, then also being able to grow food for their families is essential. And uh, this issue becomes a justice issue because no one has access to land, as you said, in our community. Uh, we have the second least uh, green space in all of Toronto. And about 90% of people in our neighborhood live in high rises that are five stories or higher. So access to green space, access to land, those are all really big justice issues, including food security, you know, all of our rising prices of food, Uh, food sovereignty, where we actually have control over our seeds and the whole food system, very important um, pieces in a neighborhood where people Uh, haven't had a lot of control in their life or a lot of abilities to be able to exercise democracy. And so community gardens and um, become spaces and places where people can be together and uh, exercise our rights on something that's deeply important to ourselves, and take care of the land and the earth and each other.
1: Um, And again, a little bit of backdrop here uh, for those who may not know the Parkdale area or downtown Toronto. Uh, So this is an incredibly multicultural area in a very multicultural city uh, in Parkdale. I mean, at one point, I think at, at the local high school, 65 mother tongues were spoken. Not sure if that figure still holds, but... Uh, it's, uh, and we, we have immigrants and refugees from around the world, and in particular, a group of Tibetans now. Um, so it's been called along Queen Street, Little Tibet, um, because a number of group, all, almost all refugees, came to uh, Toronto, um, having escaped Tibet initially, originally, and then through Nepal, through India, and here. The sound of your city, CIUT 89.5 Toronto. Welcome to the Radical Reverend Show and this special edition. It is that time of year when we ask you to be generous to support this radio station and shows just like this one. You know, the Radical Reverend has been on the airwaves at CIUT for over 20 years of ours, what, 34 years of existence? And we represent something very special. Um, We look at progressive faiths and let me tell you i don't know of any other radio shows that really do that certainly not from a left-wing socialist perspective um so here we are and of course we live in a time when the religious right is a true force a true force uh, for wrong i should say or as i say hashtag the religious right is neither so this is the show to contribute to if you are part of any religious community and think that uh, truly uh, we need to change our world for the better in line with our faith and over and against those who speak for us. So there's that. And then there's also, of course, the fact that the mainstream media isn't doing a good job of bringing the news. In fact, I don't know about you but i just listened to and i won't mention their name a mainstream uh, broadcaster give uh, minutes in fact many many minutes of free pr to big oil who gave a paltry two hundred thousand dollars for mental health and all i could think as i was just about screaming at the television screen was you know what would help our mental health is if you stopped uh, producing fossil fuels, that would help it because we'd have a planet to live on. And, you know, it's hard to be mentally healthy when you're worried about your children dying. So um, things like that. Yeah, we don't do that at CIUT. And in fact, we're one of the you know, few radio stations, if not the only radio station that's not beholden really to anybody, but people just like you and your support. So we're truly democratic. We don't, you know, answer to a board that's politically influenced. We don't answer to advertisers. No, we don't. Not on the Radical Reverend Show. We do and say what we please and we allow our guests to, too. Recently, we've been doing a whole series on activists, incredible activists from queer politics, to the environment, to health people like uh, the one that we've got on today, Angel L. Zinga Chang, who just trying to help a community garden get going, to you know, people with half a million followers like Dr. Eric Fagel Adeng, who uh, really brought to the news of COVID to the world and how dangerous it actually was. You'll hear those voices, people who changed laws and saved lives. And the only place you'll hear them really is right here on the Radical Reverend Show, and on CIUT. We follow democracy now, of course, and we're privileged and honored to do that, but we bring a particularly Canadian voice. We focus on what's happening here politically with panels like our left left or leftist panel, because what do you hear on mainstream media? You hear right righter, and rightist wing uh, panels. That's all you hear. Um, So we don't do that here on the Radical Reverend Show, and we don't do that on the station. So if you're interested in supporting us, please do. It makes all the difference in keeping us on the air. It doesn't matter whether it's $250 or $25. We need your donation, and that's what's going to help us to make our $100,000 goal this fundraising uh, session. And remember, this particular puppy, um, uh, known as Sherry De Novo or Reverend Dr. Sherry De Novo C-M-T-O-L, Um, has been on the airways for over 20 of the 34 years of CIUT. Um, I've also been honoured as a member of provincial parliament at passing uh, more 2SLGBTQ legislation than anybody in Canadian history. And it's the 20th anniversary of me performing the first legalized same-sex marriage in this country. That was way back in 2001, and the 50th anniversary of me being the only woman to sign on to We Demand, the first, quotes, unquote, uh, gay demonstration in Canadian history. So, um, by the way, the money's not going to me. I do this as a volunteer, as does everybody who appears on the show. Um, But it certainly goes to keep those voices on the air and to keep social justice happening in your community if you happen to be anywhere in the Canadian community, and not just Canada, of course. Uh, We recently had some amazing American Union activists who have uh, risen up in the private sector and confronted uh, their greedy bosses who've made billions during the pandemic and won. So we're focusing on voices like that. And this is probably the only place you're going to hear them um, and hear them consistently week in, week out. And again, for over 20 years uh, on this radio station, CIET 89.5, FM. So please do give because this is your radio station. You keep it going. Without you, we do not exist. Um, so we need your support. And we love your support. We love to hear from you too, by the way. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter, on Insta, actually more on Twitter <laughs> and Facebook. Uh, and let me know what you're thinking about the Radical Reverend show and the guests that we've had on. Um, again, from every faith um, from every political spectrum as long as it's on the left and uh, on every topic uh, so again um, this is what you're supporting and you're not going to get that uh, many other places and you're certainly not going to get that independently because you know what on the radical reverend show we do not answer to any board we do not answer to any advertisers oh we are completely utterly independent. And that's because of your support. Not many show hosts can say that. Not many shows can say that. And certainly not many radio stations can say that. So that's what you're supporting when you're supporting us. Today, our guest is pretty typical. Uh, Angela Elzinga Chang is uh, ED of Greenest City in this city in Toronto. And uh, we're talking about her recent win at the city for a community garden that feeds hundreds of people with fresh produce. This ain't no food bank. Um, And it's not only a community garden, it's also a community central space that previously to it being a community garden was just an empty lot. Um, And she's talking about the success of getting a container garden, or at least a possibility for one in place. So that's the kind of voice that we support here on the Radical Reverend Show. Um, It's not just faith voices, but it is faith voices. And you've heard here from rabbis, you've heard here from priests, you've heard here from imams. And what have you heard from them? You've heard a contrary voice to the religious right, a voice that is queer inclusive, that is women inclusive that is politically progressive, um, and that I think are the best voices of their faiths that really uphold what their faiths are about. Um, And of course, we've heard from Sikhs and we've heard from Buddhists. Uh, We've heard from a long range of atheists too. We do not limit it to people of faith, but what's really important about the faith voices that we highlight is uh, to show the, the religious right is not right or hashtag the religious right is neither. Um, And that's one of the aspects of uh, the Radical Reverend show that you're not gonna hear most other places. Um, Yes, you'll hear uh, discussions about faith other places. You'll have different voices on from other places, but you're not gonna hear that wonderful mix of left-wing politics and faith that you hear right here and have heard for decades on the Radical Reverend show. You know, I want to shut up. I really do. I mean, I don't want to keep on talking. Um, I want you to keep hearing the voices that I bring and that we bring every week. And a special shout out, by the way, to Jake, our producer, who has just been phenomenal and produces a show every week, uh, manages to get it into the station on time. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've done this throughout COVID. We did not take a break as so many of you were stuck at home and listening, uh, we heard from you and thank you for keeping us in the loop with your lives as well. Um, And uh, I wanna thank Jake and I wanna thank all the staff at CIUT who've again worked straight through COVID, most of them from home, um, just to keep, you know, this, you know, left, uh, the left wing of the sound dial going um, because it's so essential. Uh, and again, who am I? I'm uh, Sherry De Novo, the uh, radical Reverend, um, Reverend Dr. Sherry De Novo was uh, very honored to receive the Order of Canada a couple of years back. And because of COVID, I still have not the medal yet, but I will. And uh, and so honored to have been able to serve uh, as the MPP for Park Del High Park for almost 12 years. Um, and managed in that role, as I said earlier, to bring in more queer legislation into law, like banning conversion therapy, like trans rights. The first major um, jurisdiction in North America to do that, that was way back in 2012. So made some many changes, parental rights uh, as well, in that mix and coming up just this weekend, the Trans Day of Remembrance, where my bill now law demands that everyone in the legislature stand up before question period when most of them are there for a moment of silence for all of those trans folk who have lost their lives in the previous year. Um, That's who I am. That's what we've done. And uh, that's what's going to happen because of a bill that was made law that I got all parties to sign on to in the legislature. So when you support the Radical Ribbon Show, that's what you're supporting not me personally but the social justice action that is queer positive that is women positive that is anti-racist anti-fascist that is left on your sound dial and that is openly socialist so if you want that kind of voice and those kinds of voices on the sound dial then please support me and by the way Many, many of you have been guests on this show. If you have ever been a guest on the Radical Reverend Show, show your love, you know, whether it's $25 or $250, you know, it's all essential. So please support us and support the kinds of voices like this amazing young woman, Angela Elzinga Cheng, who's going to talk to you about. You know, political action at its most local, at its basic, but also critically important. So we're going to listen to her, then um, we're gonna divide up that interview in 15 minute segments, um, just because we want to get uh, your, your donations coming in. And of course, donate online. You can do it with a credit card, you can do it by e-transfer, um, go to CIUT, Uh, FM, uh, go to the website, easy to find if you Google it. And there are prizes, by the way, but that's not what you give, is it? You give because you wanna keep independent radio independent and it's only independent because of your support. So I'm gonna wrap it up here and I'm gonna let you listen to Angela, but I want you to go to your website while you're listening and donate Um, 25 to 2,500. We will take it all. Everything is important, no matter how small. And of course, no matter how large Uh, We need to keep the resistance going.
0: The Ride the Airwaves Fall Fundraiser is underway. Come along on the journey. Support the only station in Toronto that doesn't answer to a corporate executive. Visit CIUT.fm and click Donate Now. Right here, right now, every day. CIUT 89.5, the sound of your city.
1: Um, So now let's get to this community garden. How did this community garden on Milky Way start?
2: Yes, it's such a great story. Uh, Two of our community gardens are on city land and this one is on something called community owned land. But the story actually starts before that in 2007 when uh, Tish, um, the English language learner teacher at the library just behind this space, you can imagine this abandoned space in a laneway. Uh, It's about 7,000 square feet full of weeds and rocks and all those kinds of things. Um, She asked her students, uh, what is it that you would want to what is one thing that you would like to do in your life that would create some change? And the students all said, we want to grow food. So uh, Tish had seen this piece of land, found out who the owners were, which were a couple uh, who had bought this piece of um, kind of abandoned land in the laneway. And the couple wanted to build condos in a laneway and uh, laneway issues are still an issue at the city. We're moving on it. But at that time it was almost impossible to figure out how to do that. Uh, So in the meantime, while they were fighting this fight with the city of Toronto, and neighbors, they um, gave permission for the English language learners to grow food. So they started growing food in the decommissioned city of Toronto recycle bins. So at one point, you can see this great image of the Milky Way with about probably 50 to 75 recycle blue recycle bins, uh, growing tomatoes and choy's and uh, cilantro and salaries and all of the great things that you still see today. Uh, you could see this amazing Um, all kinds of food growing. It went from there to raised beds, still owned by this couple, still fighting the fight. Uh, And then in 2017, Parkdale Neighbourhood Land Trust and Greenest City got a grant to do this great um, neighbourhood-wide community consultation process and then uh, to find out what is it that people would envision for this land. Uh, And what could the how what would the infrastructure design look like and what would be the purpose of it ongoing be and at the same time they were doing that consultation process, they were also fundraising because the um, landowners finally were like, I don't think after this many years we're going to get permission to build our house on this land, and we're interested in selling it for a very low cost. Uh, So, um. It is now owned by the Parkdale Neighbourhood Land Trust. And I don't want to speak too much about uh, them, but I can say uh, I'll tell you a little bit about what a land trust is in the city. People are more familiar with it in a in the Conservancy way, more in the rural areas. And here in Toronto with a Neighbourhood Land Trust, their primary purpose is to protect land for the community into perpetuity. So forever and ever. So this land is lucky enough to be owned into perpetuity. Our children's children will be able to uh, be making decisions about uh, this land and this piece of land, Uh, and the community determined that it needed to be used for urban agriculture, for community gathering, um, and all the many different great things that you've seen happening on that land, but primarily to scale up uh, food growing in a very densely populated neighborhood where land is impossible to get.
1: And so important because, again, a little bit of backdrop, uh, if if anybody's ever had to use a food bank or knows what food bank provisions look like, um, first of all, not a lot of people use them, even if they need them. Um, a lot of it's packaged food, a lot of it's corporate food, <laughs> I can use that designation. Um, there's not a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables, and there's not a lot of organic produce there. So this is a supplement to, to that for, for many folk and sometimes an alternative that for many folk um so it's this beautiful space i can just say as a neighbor of it um it's a beautiful space where uh harvest festivals happen movie nights happen kids things happen uh, parties happen i mean it's just a lovely community space as well as a community garden and then you wanted to add a container garden so let's talk about that in our remaining minutes
2: sure so Um, In the whole design process, the community said, well, we want to scale up the food growing. Now, how do you do that in a densely populated neighborhood on 7,000 square feet of land? My goodness, it's not a lot of land. Uh, And the way to do that is uh, to, well, we're going to be building a something called a rammed earth greenhouse. That's one way to get seedlings and things like that. But secondly, to get a hydroponic container farm. And uh, this container farm, if you get a chance to look at a company called The Grocer, G-R-O-W-C-E-R to see this beautiful um, uh, container farm that's purpose built to grow food and in about uh, six weeks you have a lot of food uh, that you have to be able to share uh, with the community in many different ways. So this uh, container farm is the, the you know, the goal is to be able to fundraise for it and to be able to get it in the community space. Um, yeah, that's, we, that's something we still have to do, but we've won the first, or I guess you would say battle in
1: getting that. I mean, you've already outlined a number of battles that you've had to, to get the community garden in the first place and to have it to where it is. Um, this one was some, somewhat surprising because uh, again, just to, to try to kind of picture this uh, to listeners, um, there's an alleyway. Um, it's very, very close to Queen Street and all the restaurants, bars, etc. that line Queen Street. So um, not particularly quiet neck of the woods, you know, anytime. Um, And uh, but there are a range of houses, mostly old Victorian stock, not always, um, that are residential and that are privately owned um, that back onto it on both sides of the street, really. Um, And um, and so neighbors complained about the the container, um, which was kind of, you know, Surprising to me, let put it that way. Um, so tell us about that struggle because this is this is the kind of struggle that's happening not just here in Parkdale. It's happening across North America and around the world, um, where you know you you have privately owned land and par- and people who own it are you know in some cases in many cases justifiably concerned about the value of their properties. Perhaps I mean this is their major um, equity. Um, uh, but I mean, somebody's trying to do something that you have done, which is a community garden, something where, you know, um, a different kind of land j- use behind them. I uh, mean, it used to call, be called NIMBYism. Um, and I remember a series that I, this wasn't that long ago, pre COVID, but uh, the Gladstone Hotel here did a, a series on YIMBYism, yes, in my backyard. Um, so there was a bit, you know, here we had an, an instance, and I'll just name it for that. I mean, there's, it's always more complex than, than simply an acronym. But um, talk about that, I mean, and what you, you did, what was involved in getting what eventually was, and to not give mm-hmm. the story away, a win. Container Garden yeah. is OK by the city.
2: <laughs> yeah. So uh, we really feel strongly that we needed to be good neighbors. And uh, so, you know, we had done this great consultation process with people whose land, this is for so the 7,000 square foot of land, the Milky Way, uh, that with over 200 people. Um, and so it was really important to us to be good neighbors and to talk, to show this plan to the neighbors. And uh, so we did four different consultations with the neighbors as well. And uh, the the goal was to identify things that uh, we might if we can change we can change them and uh, you know what really came clear was that the container farm was the biggest challenge for the neighbors uh, and it boiled down to that these uh, these homes for you know the homes that people owned as you said uh, were people's sanctuary and they couldn't imagine how a container farm could add the, value to their sanctuary. Um, And um, instead, it would it threatens that sanctuary that place, as you said, our community is very loud already. Um, And the Milky Way is a sanctuary for many, many, many people, hundreds, hundreds of people in our neighborhood. Uh, So through those consultations, we had to make a number of changes, actually. And if we could make the change without compromising too much because we needed a win, we would. Uh, And that was, uh, we had to change where the service gate was located to the expense of sun and growing space. We changed the location of the container farm also to the expense of um, growing space. Those were for us winnables because we felt like we were continuing to move forward in a way that would demonstrate that we were being responsive to neighbor concerns. Uh, And we still saw that we could get what we wanted, which was a yes for this space. Unfortunately, um, the neighbors were still extremely concerned about the noise. Uh, So we had to hire a noise consultant. We hired a a fire, uh, an alternative solutions consultant. Uh, We've been working with engineers. We have our landscape architect. So um, we've done a lot of work to try to create a space that would um, both address the concerns of the immediate neighborhoods, but as well as hold firmly to what we had heard from the community. I was absolutely unwilling to take out this container farm because this is what the community had said they wanted. This was integral, integral. So if we had to move it, I would move it, but it had to stay there,
1: yeah. And so then this went to the city committee of adjustments and uh, which was quite uh, an interesting process to me. I mean, I just found it um, it's a subject for another discussion another day, but just phenomenally bureaucratic. But anyway, um, there is, so there we were. Um, people, various people testified. Uh, you know, for and again, um, this project, uh, the city moved and said yes. Uh, but you know, so uh, by the way, if you've just tuned in, you've missed a lot. And please listen to the show on podcast. Um, I'm t- I'm speaking to Angela L. Uh, Elzinga Cheng here, the current uh, executive director of Greena City, mother and Parkdale resident for some 16 years and one of the movers and shakers behind this wonderful community garden and now in the future, container garden. Um, so so you just, out, you just outlined some of the elements that went into the win. Some compromise that you made, um, consultation that you've done um, but yet uh, in the spirit of direct action, that's part of your experience, not not being willing to give up that you wanted a yes at the end of this. So is there anything that we've missed in getting that yes at the end of this, which you got at the city?
2: Uh, so, you know, actually our first site plan went into the city in August of 2019. And they were supposed to give us the answer of, you know, yes, no, change this, get this process through by December of 2019. That's their commitment to um, developers. Uh, and... Nevertheless, uh, as you can see, we actually didn't make it to the Committee of Adjustment until October of 2021. That process in and of itself was hair pulling. Uh, people just didn't get back to us. We're too small and tiny. There's more important developers to listen to. Uh, we're a small file. They don't you know, we, we, don't, we don't even show up on the neighborhoods development um, list. So um, it that process in and of itself was uh, demoralizing. Like knocking against a, a wall instead of a door was really what that felt like. So that took a lot of persistence. Um, yeah, that this process was—I've been up against a lot of bureaucracy in in the city, uh, you know—and uh, this was a really good or horrible example of what it takes to to keep persisting against uh, bureaucracy and institutional barriers.
1: I mean, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you, Angela. <laughs> We're almost out of time. Um, so next step's your fundraising. So how can people help? Let's sure. put that out there. Like how can, how can the community and beyond this community help you get this container garden now that you've got the green light to do it?
2: Yes, uh, this beautiful uh, container farm costs around 224,000 to get going. And uh, so that is something that we have to fundraise for. We're hoping, um, I mean, we've already put out some grants out there, uh, but it is something that we're gonna have to fundraise for. And so people absolutely could contribute to uh, the Milky Way initiative to be able to have the capital to build this uh, or to get the container farm. That would be one way. Of course, as people have the opportunity to volunteer, we would love to have people to come in and support with our growing food. And participate in any of our many events that happened at the Milky Way.
1: And if they want to send you money, where, do they, where does that go to Greenest City?
2: Yes, that would yes. be okay. uh, GreenestCity.ca. Yes.
1: Great. Thank you so much for being on the Radical Reverend Show. We could have done another half hour. It always goes too quickly. Uh, thank you so much, and best of luck with the container garden. We'll, we'll stay tuned. Please let us know what happens uh, when you finally uh, break ground with it, and uh, certainly we'll be out there to celebrate along with you. Thank you.
2: Great, thank you so much.